Growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. The money is always flowing in. The bills are always paid. The sickness stuff stays away from my house. The in-laws and outlaws always get along. Right? No. No, nobody, nobody, nobody has that life. We live in a busy, stressful world. Most of us have about a million things to think about on any given day. And with so much to think about, it's hard to have peace of mind. But having peace of mind may not have as much to do with how much we think about, but what we think about. When those opportunities to be anxious, to be stressed out, to be fearful, to be worried, when those opportunities come into my life, is it just something I'm supposed to live with? Is it just something that I just do the best that I can? Or is it possible that God has something better in store for us? I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. We're continuing our series entitled Heartbeat. It's an in-depth walk through the book of Philippians. And today we're picking up on a subject that Pastor Clay started last week, peace. If people can see a difference in our lives when those things come against us, then it's very likely that they may say, hey, I want to know more about what it is you believe. They will want to know, where does that peace come from? As we'll hear in today's message, one of the major areas where we struggle is in having peace of mind. But as Pastor Clay is going to explain, peace of mind is possible. We just have to make sure we're thinking about the right things. Thanks for joining us today for the important subject of the peace of God. We're drawing near to the end of our series entitled Heartbeat. And uh, we really have one more week in... uh, in the book of Philippians, uh, that, at least that's the, the plan. Uh, we've been looking at what, what our heartbeat should be from the very first week. Uh, I made no secret of it because I believe Paul makes no secret of it in the letter, that his heartbeat, his passion, the very drive of his life is his relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's not just uh, a religious thing. It's not just a spiritual thought. It is actually manifested in his life. It comes out um, in every decision that he makes, in every relationship that he has, in every uh, struggle or trial or difficulty that he faces. This heartbeat for Christ is, it's everything for Paul. It's not only what, what guides him, it's what powers him and allows him to accomplish so much of what the Apostle Paul accomplished. It's a fascinating study, by the way, if you've never done it, just on the life of Paul and, and all that God used him to do when he simply made himself available. So we are uh, drawing to, near to the end of this study in the book of uh, Philippians. Uh, but as we do, uh, it, it's good to, uh, to just come back and reflect a little bit this week on what we did last week because it really is just too much. It's, it's too big a subject and uh, there was too much in the text to really deal with in one week. I'm talking about peace. Who likes it? Right, everybody likes peace. Come on. Peace? Yeah. I got a little peace in my life. Let's see, what is this? Uh, yeah, okay. That's, all right. Um, my wife and I like Chinese food. We like to eat Chinese food from time to time. Um, actually, probably more than from time to time. But a while back, uh, maybe six months or so ago, I uh, ordered my usual sesame chicken uh, with an egg roll and fried rice. And I uh, got my fortune cookie at the end. Uh, who reads your fortune cookie when you get it? Yeah, most of us do. You know, it's nice. It's not, I mean, I'm not, 
not going out and betting the stock market tomorrow on whatever they say, right? I mean, I'm not, but it's, it's fun. Well, a while back, ladies and gentlemen, I hit the mother load. I hit the fortune cookie of all fortune cookies. You ready for this? You will be fortunate in everything. I mean, what do you, do you even need anything else? Is that, I don't even need to eat another fortune cookie the rest of my life. You will be fortunate in everything. I held on to this. I'm going to keep it this nice. It's been on my refrigerator for six months. <laughs> really, I've been looking for the right opportunity to, you'll be fortunate in everything. There's only one problem with that. It's not true. Right? Is there anybody in this room that is fortunate in everything? Everything goes right all the time. Right? The car never breaks down. The tires never wear out. The, the husband never acts like a jerk. <laughs> the money is always flowing in. The bills are always paid. The, uh, the sickness stuff stays away from my house. Uh, uh, the in-laws and outlaws always get along. And the, you know, right? No, no, nobody, nobody, nobody has that life. We, we all have... Um, we all have continual opportunities to be anxious, stressed out, worried, fearful, angry, depressed. Can I get an amen? Right? Those, those things are constantly coming into our life. By the way, kind of a sidebar, to have those things come into our life and to, to have this sense, you know, this immediate sense of, oh, What's going to happen? Or I'm worried, or I'm anxious, or or whatever. That that's not that's that's not sin. I'm not. Those things come into our life. The question is, what do I do with those things when they come into my life? When, when those opportunities to be anxious, to be stressed out, to be fearful, to be worried, when those opportunities come into my life, is it just something I'm supposed to live with? Is it just something that I just do the best that I can? Or is it possible that God has something better in store for us? Well, if you were here last week, you already know the answer to that because we began to look at it last week. We're going to continue to look at it this week, this idea of peace. And Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9, reads like this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved I urge Yodia and I urge Sinki to live in harmony in the Lord. Peace. What are you wanting for them? Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel together with Clement and also and, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say Rejoice, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Here we go. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, 
If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Would you say that last line with me? And the God of peace will be with you. Apostle Paul uh, is obviously drawing near to the end of this letter. He's, he's drawing it to a, a close as he's coming near here. And he moves into this area that's very, very strategic, very, very important for our lives. And I think that we all readily would agree with it. And that is the need for peace in our lives. Because those things always are coming against us. They are always buffeting against us. The, the opportunities to be anxious, stressful. And is there anybody that actually likes to live that way? Is there anybody that, oh, ooh, ooh, I want to be anxious. I want to be fearful. I want to be worried. No, nobody likes that, right? Nobody wants to live that way. And Paul knows that, by the way. Paul also knows that that's how everybody lives, right? Does anybody have a neighbor that doesn't worry about anything, that doesn't ever get stressed out, that doesn't ever... Does anybody have a coworker like that? I can promise you Somewhere in their life, there's worry, there's anxiety, there's fear, uh, there's those types of things. So Paul knows everybody's life is that way, and he knows that if there's something different about followers of Jesus Christ that they can see, as Paul says about, hey, th- the things you've heard and, 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 and received and, and seen in me, Paul, says, it, Paul knows if, 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 if people can see a difference in our lives when those things come against us, then it's very likely that they may say, hey, I want to know more about what it is you believe. They may or may not decide that this Jesus thing is for them, but they will want to know, where does that peace come from in the midst of all this? How do you have that? You got the same pink slip I got, the layoff notice, you got the same, how do you do do that? So Paul understands this idea of peace in our lives, it's good for us and it's good for those around us. And so he kind of lays out what I see as kind of four areas where we need to address peace and kind of four action uh, action areas as well. And, and here's the one we started with last week. And just a brief review um, because we need it. He started out with peace and relationships. And this is what we said. What you have in common is more important than what you don't. And he goes into verses 1 through 3 and he begins to talk about these two women. This is the only, this is the only place as far as I know that they're mentioned in all of Scripture. Yodia and Sinki. They're, they're only mentioned one time because they knew that Preachers would have a hard time pronouncing their name, and so they didn't want to put it in there too many times. No, I, I don't know. It's the only place they show up. And listen, that's, the only, that's what they're remembered for, fighting. And Paul's saying to them, even in this letter, and we talked about it last week and more in depth. You can go back and you listen. Uh, you can download it from iTunes. You can go to our website directly and listen. But you go back and, and just talk. Paul talks about this idea, these, these women and, and who they were and the strategic part of the ministry they had been. And he says this about the women. He says that they have uh, shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel. He, he's basically saying, ladies, ladies, come on. We're on the same team. We've got the same enemy, Satan. More than the same team, we're in the same family. And we've got the same Savior. And you have, you have stood shoulder to shoulder by my side. Maybe even shoulder to shoulder with each other. And you have, you have contested. You have worked for the spread of the message of Jesus Christ. You've tried to help people know about this message. How can you possibly think that, that what little, whatever this squabble is over could be more important than what you have in common? As I said last week, I don't know who started the fight. I don't know if if one of them said something that offended the other one. 
maybe. I, I, don't, I don't know if one of them, you know, was better off financially than the other one and wore a nicer toga to some party and, and made the other one mad. I, I, I don't know if one of them won the blue ribbon at the, at the church casserole cook-off. And, I, mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And it doesn't matter. Because what they have in common is far more important than what they don't. And the same is true for us, ladies and gentlemen. I, I know I can't, I gotta move on. I can't spend too much time on this, but I, I cannot stress to you enough as believers in Jesus Christ how we have to have unity in the body of Christ. We have to. Speaking of unity, this is a sidebar, but I'm on a roll. Speaking of unity, a while back, we kind of removed some of the ropes. We used to rope off kind of part of the thing, trying to encourage people, you know, to come down and kind of sit together and all that kind of stuff. And we took, took them off for a while and said, well, let's kind of see what happens. And we've begun to kind of spread back out again. So don't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks the ropes show back up again because uh, we want unity. We want to get everybody together. Get, and I'm telling you, when y'all get down, y'all get all down in front and stuff, it just sounds better. Y'all sing more when you got people beside you because you think you're, maybe you're not being heard as loud or whatever you sing out we're going to do all that kind of stuff unity this body this relationship that we have and Paul says this is so important for your lives so is you know I cut to the chase last week I said okay well, how do I do that how, how do we have unity in our lives well you, you, you just get over it you, you just get over whatever it is that they did that offended you okay now, I, I know, well, how do you get over something? And I've, I've, I know this in my life, I know this. How do you get over something when, when, it's, you know, when it's a deep hurt and somebody's done something that's hurt you? How do you get over that sort of thing? I'm not going to read it again this week, but the answer is found, Philippians chapter 2, verses 2 through 8, where Paul says, listen, here's what you got to do. You got to humble yourself. You got to put on the mind of Jesus Christ who humbled himself. You got to do the same thing. You got to humble yourself. That's how you get over it. You just, you just, you just humble yourself. Because, as I said uh, last week, um, humility is the friend of relationships. Pride is the destroyer of relationships. Whether it's husband and wife. Now, you think about it. If you're here and you're married, and you think about the fights that y'all have had. Oh, I know. None of y'all never fight, right? Think about the fights that you've had. Ultimately, it comes down to, in one way or another, it comes down to, I'm right and he's wrong. Right? That's what you like. I'm right and he's wrong. Or, you know, and so... Paul says, you know what, whether it's within the church, whether it's your marriage, whether it's, you know, uh, parent, child, whatever, you have to remember this, that humility will always be the friend of relationships and pride is the destroyer of relationships. You have to humble yourself and say, you know what, what we have in common is so much more important than what we don't, whatever little bit of differences that we have. And so you may need to go to someone and say, you know what, I, I, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? Hey, I'm sorry I did that or I'm sorry I said that or I'm sorry if I offended you with that. Okay, got to move on. Second one we said was this, peace through circumstances. Peace in relationships, peace through circumstances. What you need isn't as big as who provides. And Paul talks about it in verses four through seven. And again, we don't have time to go through the whole thing again, but Paul is basically saying, hey, have you forgotten who your God is? Have you forgotten the power that he has and what it is that he's able to accomplish in your life? What is your struggle? What is your problem? What is your worry? What is your anxiety? Is there something on that list that God's not big enough to take care of? Peace through circumstances. What you need isn't as big as who provides it. Paul says that, that God is able to do everything that needs to be done. And he talks about these things. He, 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 and I gave, gave you these. I started with the presupposition last week. Presupposition is you just, you just have to know that you're going to have stuff in this world. If, if, if you're, if in life, you're going to have less than desirable circumstances at times. 
That's the presupposition. And then he gives the prescription. He says, with, he said, through prayer and supplication. We talked about some of the differences and really two sides of the same coin. But you have to talk to God, thank God, and trust God. There's the prescription. It's not mine. Paul gives it right there. In everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Talk to God. Let him know what you're talk, what's going on in your life. Not informationally, by the way. Not because God doesn't know. Wow, didn't know that. No, not because of that. But because by, by going to God and talking to him about these issues, it's actually a demonstration of your faith. And then, of course, thanking him in the midst of it. Well, I don't like the situation in the, I'm, in, I'm in. How can I thank him for, for this diagnosis I've got? How can I thank him for this, this problem, this crisis, this whatever? You may not be able to thank him for that, but you can thank him for being the God that he is. You can thank him for what he's done. You can thank him for how he's working. You can thank him for for what he has done. You can trust him to work in the midst of it. There's something about gratitude that's important in our lives. You remember this? I said said last week that an attitude of gratitude will overcome a bad attitude. That's that's exactly what it will do. So the prescription and then the the, the last part of that that I said about circumstances was you have to live in in peace. You you just, you have to live in this peace that Paul says it's incomprehensible. Basically he says it's incomprehensible and it's impenetrable. You can't comprehend it. The world has a comprehensible peace, right? I lost my job. Oh my goodness. How am I going to pay my bills? Bam, I got a job. I'm not worried about that anymore, right? That's, that's, I can comprehend that peace. But God's word says, I will give something to you that is not dependent upon your circumstances, but rather is above your circumstances. So that even if you don't get the job, even if you hate your job, even if whatever all is going on, you can actually have peace right in the middle of that. My, my marriage is in trouble. My finances are in trouble. Uh, my kids are in trouble. My whatever all those things are. God says that I actually can give you peace, a calmness in it, even if the circumstances don't change. So you have to live in peace. And then he says it's, it's, it's impenetrable. Nothing can, can happen because he finishes up that little bit there by, by saying, and the, the God of peace shall be with you. Think about it. Shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Shall guard, shall protect your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he launches into, and here we're going to the second part this morning. He goes into some specifics about the mind. And so here's the kind of third area that we're looking at today. And that is peace of mind. Peace of mind. Look at it in uh, verse 8. Finally, brethren, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Listen, Paul knows, right? And you know it already too. You know it. That the first area that the enemy, Satan, will almost always attack is the mind. Always there. Paul knows that if my mind is consumed with the, the stuff of life, somebody is uh, giving me a hard time at school. My boss is my boss. <laughs> All of these things. That if my mind is consumed with those things, I cannot have peace of mind. 
This is not rocket science. I can't, if, I, if I'm constantly thinking of the things that are causing me stress and causing me anxiety and causing me worry and causing me fear and causing me anger, if I'm constantly dwelling on those things, I can't possibly have a mind that is at peace. Can, does anybody relate to what I'm saying? Does anybody understand? Has anybody struggled at times in their life where they can't shut it off? Now, I know you wives think that us men have this amazing ability to just shut it off and think about nothing. Because we do. What do you think about? Nothing. My wife's like, how do you do that? How do you think about nothing? Kind of come kind of natural. <laughs> no. Uh, you, what, the mind is just running nonstop. And all this, oh, what's going to happen? Or, or how about this? Or what if this turns out? Or, and Paul says, no, you can't. You can't be at peace in that way. There's just no way that, that can happen. What you think affects what you feel. And so you have to begin to change what you think. Here's, uh, here's what it looks like, kind of the action step. You and I have to be proactive if peace is going to be produced. You and I have to be proactive if peace is going to be produced. And it is critical, ladies and gentlemen, it is critical that you understand this. Now, when I say if peace is going to be produced, please understand, I'm not saying that you and I are the ones that produce the peace. Absolutely not. This is not me trying to work up peace or, or be at peace. Come on, come on, Clay, be at peace. This is not me trying to work this up. This is the peace of God. Remember that peace that passes all comprehension. This is a peace that God gives to God's people. So this is not a matter of me working up peace. But it is a matter of me being proactive. And, 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 I, and I say that because, because I've had people sometimes say something like this to me. And maybe you have. I probably have at some point in my life as well. Something like this. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and, and praying to God and, and asking him for peace. Now listen, I, obviously prayer is important. And it's part of what we do. And we do talk to God about what it is. But, but to say that, well, I'm praying to God and I'm asking him for peace. No offense, but that's kind of a ridiculous prayer. That was kind of offensive, wasn't it? That's, listen, that's like, that's like a child standing outside in the freezing cold with just shorts and a t-shirt on saying to mom and dad, I have a coat. No. No, no, no parent would ever wait for that request, would they? Well, I was wondering how blue your skin was going to get before you'd finally ask. No, no parent. No parent's going to let their child go out that door without that coat. A loving parent is standing at the door saying, now here's your coat. Be sure and put it on before you go out. Make sure you have your coat. Ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God has done with peace. He said, now here's your peace. Be sure and put it on before you go out. He's, he's given us this. And so we have to be proactive at, at this peace that we're going to have in our lives. There's something that we have to do. And Paul begins to list some areas where we need to let our mind go. No, that's not really correct. Because I have discovered that when I let my mind go somewhere, it will almost always go towards the things that cause me stress and anxiety and worry. If I let my mind just go, it will always gravitate towards the things that are worrisome, fearful, stressful. Can anybody relate? If I just let my mind, that's where it's going to naturally go. So Paul begins to list areas where we have to take our minds. Listen to me. Intentionality. Proactive. 
you and I have to take our minds somewhere if we're going to take it off of the things that are causing the stress and the worry and the fear and all this other kind of stuff. Let's read it again in verse 8, this time from the New Living. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Paul lists there what I see as eight different ideas. Obviously, there's some, there's some blending in there, some, some, some similarities. But what I see is eight distinct areas where Paul says we need to take our mind to begin to change what our mind is on. Now, let's see. Huh. Where could I find things that are true and, and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable? Where could I find stuff that would be excellent and worthy of, of praise? Where could I take my mind? Let's see. Hmm. Hmm. What could I? It, it's not. It's not really hard, is it? You and I, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have to intentionally think about the person of God and about the Word of God. We have to do that. We have to think about the person of God. Now, in some sense, those, those two are, you know, virtually the same. If you're, if you're in the Word of God, you're going to be thinking about the person of God. If you're thinking about the person of God, it'll always bring to mind things from the Word of God. But, but I'm just saying to you, this is where your mind has to go. Your mind wants to go to worry, wants to go to anxiety, wants to go to stress, wants to go to fear. You have to say, no, I won't let it go there. I'm going to be proactive. I'm intentionally going to think on the person of God and think on the Word of God. For, uh, I guess, most of this year, I'm not even sure when we started it. Maybe we started it four years ago. But for most of this year, uh, I've been taking my life group through a study of the book called The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. And it's a study on the attributes of God, who God is, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his, his, his love, his mercy, all these things that are attributes, the characteristics, so to speak, of, of who God is. And I'll just be honest with you, it is not an easy study. Would anybody in my life group say amen? Are all y'all in my life group? (laughs) It's not an easy study. It has not been an easy study. Because it requires time. It requires intentionality. It requires focus to, to dig into these things that are deeper. I'll be honest with you about something else. It disturbs me how many people in the Christian faith today seem to be content with staying in the shallow end of theology or the study of God. They're just, they're, oh, you know, I just, he's good. <laughs> Yay. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They just, listen, the problem is, ladies and gentlemen, our God is not a shallow end God. And if you want to know him more deeply, more intimately, more personally, you have to go into the deep end. You got to put on your big boy or big girl spiritual pants and you got to go into the deeper things of the study of God. And even though you might say, oh, I'm not sure I understand that. Well, Okay. He is God after all. I don't think you're going to get it on the first time around. And you keep working. You keep studying this, this person of God, his goodness, his mercy, his love, his, his righteousness, his holiness, his, his strength, his power, all of these to think on the person of God. And we don't do that much these days. I don't believe. And of course, as I said, also thinking on the, the word of God. To open the pages of God's word, and obviously I'm going to be thinking about God there as well, but to, to allow my mind to be filled with the word of God. Now, let me say this, okay? Make everybody mad, and then I'll move on. Um, 
I know, statistically speaking, I read the statistic, but I also know just from personal interaction with many of you, many of you, if not most of you, struggle with finding the time to spend in the Word of God. Permission to speak freely? All right, Ernie said I could. The problem is not that you don't have enough time. That's the excuse, but that's not the problem. The problem with you not having the time, and listen, by the way, the reason I know that's not the problem is because you have the exact same amount of time that every other single person does on this planet. Every day. Same amount of time. The problem, love y'all, love you, but the problem is either you don't really believe that being in God's word will give you what you need or you don't have the discipline to do it. And until something changes, you will continue to live a life of frustration and anxiety and worry and doubt and fear until Either you begin to believe that God's word really does have the answers. By the way, I've been telling people for 20 years of ministry that the answer to their problem, question, whatever, is found on the pages of God's word. Not just the information, but the actual power to operate in the situation. And I I, I hate to tell you this, but more times than not, I can see it in their eyes. They don't even have to say anything. I can see it in their eyes by their response. Oh, yeah, yeah, I need to read the Bible. But what do I need to do to fix this? Until you either begin to believe that the Word of God actually can give you the peace, can change your thought process, or until you put the discipline into your life to do it, you'll just continue down the same path that you're on. A life of worry and fear and frustration and anxiety and stress, and you will miss. You will miss. Now, you may be a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, going to heaven. Oh, yeah, great. But you will miss what God intends for your life. You'll miss a peace that passes all understanding, all comprehension. And I'm telling you something, folks. There's nothing like that when you've got it in your life. And, and, and by the way, I'm no, I don't get it right all the time. I'm not saying that I, oh, I never worry about anything. I don't stress about anything. I'm saying that stuff is always there. But I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm not saying it all. God is saying, I'll do this. I'll bring this into your life if you'll trust me, if you'll do this. So you got to change what you think about. you got to be proactive at this or it will not happen. So when you begin to stress about some situations, just stop. Say, no, no. Let's see, what can I think about God? Man, look, look at this creation. Look at, the, look at those trees beginning to change color. That is insane that God did that, all those colors. How did God do that? God, your, your power is amazing. God, you understand what I'm saying? You're thinking about something else now. And to be able to go into God's word and all of those things. Okay, all right. Um, uh, one more idea here. And, and Paul really is kind of wrapping up this area with peace with this last one. If had peace, uh, relationships, circumstances, your mind change the things that you think about, that kind of sort of thing. And then peace for life, here's what he says. What you do determines what you have. Let me read verse 9 to you again. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when Paul said the, kind of the same idea. He said, he said, look at me, emulate my life and those that are doing the same. He does it again here. He's not, Paul's not bragging. Paul's not saying, woohoo, I'm a super Christian. I'm so much more spiritual than y'all. 
No, he's not doing that. Paul's just saying, listen, I, I believe this stuff. I believe this is real. I've believed it ever since I met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus many years ago now. And I believe it so much that I'm actually living my life with it. So, so Paul, in essence, is saying, so, you know, if you know what's good for you, you'll believe it too. You'll make him your heartbeat. Because the God of peace will be with you. Continuous, present, continuous tense verb. By the way, earlier in verse 3, practice these things. Present, continuous tense verb to habitually do these things. By the way, backing all the way up to verse 8, the New American Standard says dwell on these things. Present, continuous, imperative tense verb. You have to make it your habit to think on those things. You have to make it your habit to, to live your life like the Apostle Paul has been saying all through the book of Philippians, that we should live our lives. And if we do that, if we let our mind dwell on these things, then the peace of God shall be with you. The God of peace will be with you. How many people struggle with having peace in their life? Enough of it. Or maybe the majority of your life. How many of you struggle with that? Only two people in here struggle with that. Yeah, yeah, everybody else. Now, listen, I know. If you think about it, and by the way, maybe, maybe we get so used to living that way, we don't even think about it anymore. That's like the new normal. That's all I've ever known is, is, is anxiety or stress or worry. So I don't know how to live anywhere way else. Ate Chinese again last night. Got another fortune cookie. Everything is possible, just not probable. Just not so probable. Now listen, next week, Paul is going to talk about what's possible in Christ Jesus But I want to close by saying this. This one's just as wrong as the first one is. It is probable for you to have peace in your life. It is. Or God's a liar. Because God said, if you'll do this, if you'll come to me with the issues of your life, I mean, really come to me, and we'll talk about those things. And if your heart will be filled with praise, you'll just be thanking me and and keep that attitude in in your life. Instead of the baditude about how bad everything is. If you'll trust me and walk in, in your trust in me. If you'll change what you think about. If you'll change the focus from, from what all the problems are to who the problem solver is. And if you'll walk in your life as if you really believe this stuff. Then the God of peace will be with you. Thanks, Pastor, for reminding us of the peace that's available for fully devoted followers of Jesus. In this life, there are always going to be opportunities to worry and be anxious and fearful. But today, we heard that when it comes to peace of mind, we have to choose to think about the right things. And as Pastor Clay explained, the right things are the person of God and the Word of God. As the Apostle Paul also wrote, though, we have to put into practice the things we're learning as we follow Jesus. It's not enough just to learn these truths. We have to act on them if we want God's peace in our lives. The great news is, if we do, God promises His peace will be in our lives. And God's peace in our lives is better than anything the world has to offer. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our everyday lives. 
Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh. But instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.